0: and peace be multiplied abundantly unto you all through our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ we have been talking about tolerance and if you haven't noticed Christians and non-Christians do believe different we live in the same world occupy the same space and time we have to get along the non-Christian says we have to tolerate each other But what they mean today is we have to celebrate each other's beliefs. However, I don't see a lot of that happening. Christians say we have to get along and respect each other. But we can disagree and discuss and seek what they believe is best for humanity and universal truth. And that's what we seek to do as Christians. So how how are Christians different? We have a different mind. You can't think biblically unless you think binary. The world says everything is gray. and The Bible says, no. There is God and Satan. There's good and evil. There's angels and demons. There's right and there's wrong. There's holiness and there's sin. There's truth and lies. There's life and death. There's heaven and hell, salvation and damnation. And the list could go on and on and on. The biblical thinking is binary thinking. It is categorical thinking. We think differently. You cannot read the Bible and not come to certain conclusions that things are opposed to one another. And a lot of these categories are complete opposite. This is how God has revealed himself and his truths to us. But the mainstream culture you and I live in rejects this kind of dualistic binary thinking. The culture does not see or like to see categories. The culture does not allow black and white thinking. The culture refuses to allow any categories because That would mean making distinctions, which ultimately ends in making value judgments. So, instead of Satan and God, we have a higher power. Instead of demons and angels, we have spirits. Instead of sin and holiness, we have individual expression. Instead of lies and truth, we have your truth, and we have my truth. Instead of wolves and shepherds or true prophets and false prophets, we have spiritual guides. Instead of non-Christian and Christians, we have everyone defined as God's children. Instead of, a, instead of damnation and salvation, we have whatever works for you. Instead of hell or, and heaven, We have people go to a better place simply because they died. This kind of thinking is prevalent in our world, in our culture. It's called monism. It's kind of a philosophy. It may not be formal like Christianity, but it's a religious view of the world that rejects dualistic binary thinking. Number two, we have different authority. Someone said the problem with Christians is they teach that there's an authority beyond you. Let me just say, there is an authority beyond you. If you don't believe it, drink and drive and see what happens. If you don't believe there's an authority beyond you, smoke in a hospital, see what happens. We all believe this. We believe in authority beyond ourselves, but dare I say... We don't always live like we believe that. For the non-Christian, they may not understand the authoritarian nature of God of the Bible. They don't know the heart of God is a parental heart, a father's heart. A couple years ago, a neighbor across the street moved in, three little kids, inside corner lot, no backyard, lots of front yard. One of the first things he did was put up a fence around his property because if his children wandered outside of his yard, they could easily wander onto the street and be hit by a passing car. He made a judgment call. He said to his kids, You can be here on this side of the fence, you can't be there on the other side of the fence. Don't cross this barrier, this border, this boundary, because on the other side, there are cars that could hurt you. He didn't put the barrier there because he hated his kids. He put it there because he loves his kids. He didn't put it there to restrict their freedom, but to protect their life. And we believe That the God of the Bible is a loving God and he's like a parent who loves his kids. And we believe that when he makes rules and laws, it's like planks on the fence to keep the kids safe and let them live and not put them in harm's way. We have a different view of authority. We also have a different view of humanity. Someone says, Well, one thing I don't like is the Christian idea of sin that everyone is broken and needs to be fixed. Yeah, let me tell you, everyone is broken and needs to be fixed. Even those who appear to have everything together are still broken. And it's so crazy because people in our culture, they look at the whole world and say, yeah, our world is broken. And then you ask, well, how about the people? No, they're all good. People are all good. What? You ask them, well, who made the world? And they say, well, not God. All people made the world. And the people are not broken? No, they're good. Okay, then how's the world? Well, it's broken and bad. Okay, so just run run this by me again. The good people that aren't broken made a bad, broken world. That's what they believe. And then they usually blame the brokenness on the institutions, past institutions in the world. But everybody's broken. We all need to be healed. We're all guilty. We need to be forgiven. And just take a look at our own affluent nation. Not everybody's happy. There are all kinds of signs of brokenness and trouble in our own blessed country, right in our own backyard, injustice, abuse, corruption, selfishness, hatred, false testimony, immorality. It's because they're broken. The people in this land are broken, and they need to be fixed, all of us. For we have a different view of culture, For the non-Christian, their view of culture is that what you see is all there is. Now, we don't believe that. Jesus said, live and pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we open up the word of God and we say, you know what? All the cultures are going to go away and the kingdom of God is going to endure forever. And in the kingdom of God, that's the rule and reign of God. There are people groups, all kinds of people groups, all kinds of nations. There is love, there is forgiveness, there is life, there is joy, there is generosity, there is peace. And there is authority. And his name is Jesus. And he sits on a throne and he's coming again. And it's going to be awesome when the kingdom of God gets ushered in finally forever. And so what we want is what's most loving and best for people in our world, which is the rule and reign of God in their hearts. And that will then show in the lives we live amongst each other. We also differ in our view of our faith that it should not be just personal, but it should be public. Well, that's your personal belief, but you shouldn't share it. What do you mean I shouldn't share it? Are you appealing to an authority outside of ourselves when you say we shouldn't share our faith? Jesus lived publicly. Jesus said he was God publicly. Jesus was crucified publicly. Jesus rose publicly. Therefore, Jesus is not a private matter. He's a public matter. A history of his life we all get to read in the Gospels. When God came to earth, he didn't just come to our hearts. He walked around in body, and he revealed himself publicly. Today, Jesus is seated on a throne. He's ruling and reigning over everyone and everything. That means that everyone and everything is under his authority. That means everything is spiritual. Nothing is secular to the Christian. Everything is part of our faith. It is impossible for us to live as Christians and have our faith be completely private and not public. We even heard how he sent his followers two by two into the community, into the towns and villages to preach repentance and a turning back to God. Jesus wants our faith to be public. Number six, we expect that what we believe to be considered foolish and offensive to the world. We expect that. 1 Corinthians 1.18, the cross is foolishness or folly to those. You're like, Jesus Christ is God, died on a cross in your place for your sins. You're like, that's foolish. God doesn't do that. That's what it says. And you need Jesus because you're a sinner and you need to be forgiven. And people think that's crazy and offensive. That's not the question, whether it's crazy or offensive. The question, is it true? And if it's true, what are you going to do with that truth? How many of you, the first time you heard about Christianity, thought it was kind of crazy, maybe even offensive? Offensive? What? Me a sinner? I got something that needs to be fixed? How many of you like your doctor? They tell you the truth. They're like, actually, you got to stop eating those certain foods. It's not going to end well for you. Step on the scale. You got to rethink your lifestyle. Number seven, we have different views of love. I'm going to quote an atheist. You may have heard of Penn and Teller. He's an illusionist, magician, entertainer. He's a vocal atheist. But this is what he said. How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? He doesn't agree with the belief in God, but he says it's too important of a matter, a matter of life and death, not to talk about it. A recent study says that 40 47% of millennial Christians believe that evangelism is at least in part immoral. Hmm. Yeah. We speak about Jesus because we love because he first loved us. So you can understand why the culture and Christianity keep butting heads. God has given us his holy spirit for the renewal and transforming of our minds, he's given us his word that teaches and guides us on how we are to think, feel, and live. And we start to think and feel and respond like God does. At least that is the hope. And so when the culture accuses Christians of not being tolerant in their understanding of tolerance, well, it's because God is not tolerant. His word is not tolerant. Now here's what's really interesting. Try and find the word tolerance in the Bible. It's kind of like a unicorn. Hard to find. It's in there, but not when referring to God. It might surprise you that even as the Bible speaks of God in terms of holy, love, justice, mercy, it never suggests tolerance as one of his attributes. And I think that surprises a lot of people today. A handful of times it does appear in the English translation, but it's used disapprovingly to describe an evil done by God's people as they tolerate things such as sexual sin or false teaching among themselves. The Bible speaks of God not tolerating other religions. Well, that makes sense. God not tolerating. Tolerating injustice? Well, he's just. That makes sense too. God does not tolerate sinful behavior because he's holy. Doesn't like self-righteousness. He doesn't like lying, murder, deception, evil, false witness, and those who cause division. The Bible talks a lot about the stubbornness and rebellion, rebelliousness of people, and the patience and long-suffering of God. So if we say the buzzword today in our culture is tolerance, we would say the buzzword in the Bible and in the church is repentance. See how? Christian and non-Christian butt heads. And I'm going to say to you, You need to know that there is a God who made you. You need to know that there's a God who loves you. You need to know that there's a God that you have offended. And you need to know that that God has come to forgive you. You need to know that there's a God who paid the ultimate price so that he could forgive you and have a relationship with you and bless you. It comes down to you and Jesus. Think about it. Do you want him to tolerate you? Or do you want him to save you? Then repent. People celebrate a lot of things today. We celebrate the person and work of Jesus because we believe he has come to save us not tolerate us there's a big difference and we do that weekly we sing songs we give offerings we partake of communion remembering jesus's broken body and blood shed on the cross for our sins in our place and that gives us real power the only way to be forgiven is by turning from sin and trusting in him and that turning that repentance It's a change of mind, so you start to think differently. Perhaps even more like God. And it's a change of heart, so you start to feel differently. And you look around and want what's best for everybody, like God does. And it's a change of morality. You behave differently. You behave what is good for yourself and what is good for others. This is what we believe as Christians. Yet we do not want to appear unloving toward people, especially people we disagree with. We also do not want to be unfaithful to the God whom we believe deserves our love and loyalty. So we live in a culture that is constantly asking Christians, like you and me, to approve what God disapproves. That is the equivalent to your child slapping you across the face because the neighbor kid told your child they don't like you. And so something's wrong with your parent. We won't do that. We won't offend our God. So how on earth do we bring the God of the Bible, who is not tolerant, to a world where all they seem to care about is tolerance? Some Christians just avoid the topic. Let's not talk about religion. It just divides people. Hmm, that's what the world would like us to do. Christian, shh. Don't say anything. But it's not an option for us followers of Jesus, is it? Oh, we just read there, and there's plenty of other places. He told you, Jesus himself, your Savior, go, two by two, so don't even go by yourself. Strengthen numbers, support, encouragement, and preach repentance and the good news of God's patience and love and make disciples by baptizing and teaching them. He told you to be his witnesses. And he even gave you his spirit so you would know what to say. Yeah. Some say, well, I'm just going to let my deeds do all the talking. I'm not going to say anything offensive. I'm going to let my deeds do all the talking. That's nice, but Christianity is not simply a social agency. Feeding the poor and hungry should absolutely pour forth from your life because God has so loved you. But that's not your main purpose in life. God doesn't just want you to keep people alive for a few years. He wants you to keep them alive forever. In other words, give them Jesus Christ and the gift of eternal life. So how do we talk about the God of the Bible? We use language of the Bible. God ain't tolerant. He's patient. While the Bible says nothing about God being tolerant, it speaks a lot about him being patient, loving, and forbearing. And this strikes at the heart of how we engage the culture around us. And the verse quoted, by the way, the verse quoted in the rest of the Bible more than any other Bible verse, tells us who God is and how we should tell others. And it's from Exodus 34. The Lord, the Lord, twice for emphasis, remember this in other words: a God of merciful, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression. And sin. But who will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's. To the third and fourth generation. Wow. God is merciful and gracious. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. These are the words. That God told his people. When right after they made a golden calf and worshipped it, after he delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And then God's judgment was swift on them, and it was over. And then his steadfast love remains, and God's attributes are compassion, mercy, patience, love, and justice. And you think about merciful. How many of you have experienced the mercy of God? In other words, God didn't punish you for something that you did. How about gracious? God gave you something you didn't deserve. How about slow to anger? Long suffering? And abounding, overflowing in steadfast love and faithfulness? How many of you have Experience the patience of God. That's the God of the Bible. That doesn't sound oppressive, it actually sounds helpful. He'll forgive people who are guilty of transgression and sin, but He will by no means clear the guilty who do not repent. What it says is God is not tolerant, He's patient, He's loving, He's kind. And what he's saying is, I'm waiting for you. I'm working on you. Some people, they say, yeah, God is indifferent. He must not care. No, he's patient. He's not indifferent. He's being patient. And all you have to ask yourself, have you ever loved someone? And then ask, were you or are you patient with them? And my guess is the answer is, yeah. God does not want anyone he created to be destroyed. But he wants everyone to repent, to come to a knowledge of him, and live the rest of their lives free from the bondage of sin and death and rejoicing in the life and love that he has given them through Jesus Christ. That is how God wants us to believe. Amen.